Hello and welcome to the Keto Man's Club podcast. We're glad you're here, where each week we talk about men's health and lifestyle. We do so with the foundation of the ketogenic diet and lifestyle. If you don't know what keto is, stick around and you'll find out. The podcast will bring you real honest fun. Each week we strive to uncover the tips and tricks that you can use in your everyday life to maximize your overall health and find the clearest path to becoming the best version of yourself that you were meant to be. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Keto Man's Club podcast. My name is Chris. I am one of your intrepid hosts along with Alberto Casayas and Jim Inman. And we're here with another exciting episode for you today. We have a guest uh, from the uh, group that we're excited to get to talk with, get to dive deep into his life and his journey of regaining his health and losing a buttload of weight. Pretty, pretty much literally. Uh, so we're going to dig uh, into that deeper. But before we do, how are we doing, gentlemen? Jim, what's new? Uh, what is new? So I am uh, in my first week at, in a new job. And uh, one of the things I think I've talked about over the last couple of weeks has been um, the de-stressing of a job transition. I had the for- good fortune to have two weeks off and got some work done around the house, errands, all those kinds of things and everything. But as we were sitting here um, getting prepped up for tonight's recording, I looked at my uh, my Fitbit watch and noticed that my resting heart rate is actually, like I had to look at it twice to make sure that it was right because it is the lowest it has been in months. It's like 20 beats below my normal average. So just knowing that the de-stress is having that positive effect is I'm I am game on. I am thrilled to see. So that's my highlight at the moment. That's awesome. It is. That is that's phenomenal. Alberto, you have been traveling a lot. Oh, yeah. What's going on with you? I've been uh, picking up a slack for Jim. That's what, that's what I've been doing. Uh, last <laughs> Thank week you, was uh, <laughs> Wichita Falls, close to Oklahoma. Uh, this week is El Paso. Well, it's August 7th and I'm in El Paso. So there's a lot that could be said there, but that's for another podcast. But uh, next week they wanted me in Houston. Yeah, I, I could put the I could put the kibosh on that because that would be three straight weeks of travel. And yeah, you know, I'd like to sleep in my own bed now and again. Well, th- th- three straight weeks of travel and then the first week of school for both of you. Yeah, daughters. yeah. Next week's so. first week of school. So I'm definitely not going to miss that. So, yeah, I uh, opted out of working in Houston next week. But other than that, yeah, just uh, understanding what dry heat means because it, it's a different monster over here. According to the gauge, it's 100, 304 degrees. But, like, I'm not sweating out here. It is the weirdest thing. I'm wearing pants regular t-shirt and it's like i walk outside and it feels like in austin 85 degrees but it's like 103 <laughs> it's weird yeah that that is very different uh, we experienced a lot of that down in the river and valley whenever i uh, lived down there doing work in mexico in the middle of the summer and we couldn't wear shorts that was kind of a a rule because only children wore shorts in mexico so as a cultural thing we uh, would try to match that so we would always wear jeans um or pants and uh in a t-shirt and that was very very hot most of the time but it we we got used to it but it was a dry heat down there as well most of the time okay well um Let's do the shout outs after our interview. But I, before we dig into the interview, I did want to give a quick reminder uh, for our listeners to, uh, if you can take the time, it would mean a lot to uh, go on to your, your podcast platform, Apple Podcasts, specifically if you can, and give us a rating or a comment. It helps us a lot, helps the algorithm to uh, see us and know that, uh, that we're here and put us in front of more people as suggestions. And that's really uh, something that we would like to see uh, happen because uh, we think we've got a great thing here. So if you would do that, that would be excellent. And uh, just as another note with that, if you're not already a part of the Keto Man's Club Facebook group, you can do so by visiting our website, theketomansclub.com. And uh, it's uh, a great group that you will not want to not be in just uh, plain and simple. So that being said, let's go ahead and dive into our guest. Uh, today, we have Miles Russell with us. Uh, he goes by Telecron, correct? Yeah, Telecron um, with two N's. Yeah. And so uh, he, he goes by that on, on, on Instagram. And so he's he's been on his journey and documenting it well uh, there. We 
got to to actually hang out and spend time with him while we were at KetoCon, me and Alberto. And so we we you know he's he's good people. So you definitely uh, we're we're looking forward to hearing your story uh, here today. Um, tell us a little bit about who you are, where you came from. Uh, you know, give give us a little bit of a uh, Cliff Notes background on Miles, if you would. Um, well, I'm 33. I am currently an attorney for the state of Washington. I was actually born in Chicago, and then my family moved uh, to Seattle when I was a kid, and I went to school, high school in Seattle. Um, when I graduated, I moved back to Chicago to go to school, um, went to college there, and then I moved to L.A. for a couple of years, and then decided to go to law school, um, and went to school in St. Louis. Um, and after I graduated, I moved back to Washington State, and I've been here since. I've been an attorney now for about six years. I think six years, like last month, um, exactly. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, is there a specific uh, aspect of a law that you're practicing? Yeah. So I do litigation, which means I'm a trial attorney. Some attorneys do um, what's called transactional work or, or legal or more client advice role. Um, those are kind of attorneys who review documents and draft contracts and give like, you know, write advice memos. Um, so in the context of working for the government, if someone needed like, oh, are we following the law correctly when we do this? An attorney reviews that and says yes or no. Um, but if someone sues the state or we need to sue somebody on behalf of the state, then we need uh, trial attorneys. And that's what I do. So I'm in court a lot, um, usually multiple times a week. Okay, very cool. Um, and uh, that, um, if anybody needs a lawyer, we know who to go to. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so tell us, um, go ahead and, and give us a, 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 an idea, like get us started on what your health condition was before you kind of came to keto, what that was, uh, what that was looking like and things like that. Um, so it was pretty, pretty, uh, horrific to be honest. Um, I had, before I, I, I guess successfully began the ketogenic diet, I think I peaked at about 465 pounds. Um, and that's at six foot five. Um, so I'm, I'm relatively tall. I'm a big guy. Um, but that's relatively? still, <laughs> but it's still a lot, um, no matter how tall you are. Um, so I had, um, I guess just my entire life since, since I was a kid, I've been overweight. Um, and when you're young, you can kind of get away with that. Um, you don't, you, I mean, sure life is harder, you know, maybe you get out of breath and you can't run, but you know, you don't notice too many of the negative effects of health. But by the time I was in law school, I, you know, looking back, I had really bad sleep apnea. I'd wake up, um, choking or feeling like I was choking or have dreams about choking. And I kind of knew I had sleep apnea, but I didn't want to go to a doctor. I had high cholesterol and the and my doctor put me on or suggested I take statins. I had high blood pressure. I had like random chest pain. My, my feet and knees would ache. Um, I just slept poorly. I mean, even like stuff like my libido took a hit. I was getting depressed. It was just, it was by the time I was, I think I was about, um, you know, 20, 25 or so. It, it was just 26. Like my health was just, it was, it was pretty bad. Um, and like, I don't know. It's just looking, it's hard to tell when you're in the, it's hard to tell when things change slowly. You know, you, you don't just wake up one day having all these things go wrong. It just every day gets a little bit worse. And then at some point you just, you just kind of get used to it. It's it's like, there's this, I remember once someone was telling a joke about getting hurt and they're like, well, you can't tell if you're getting better or you're just getting used to being hurt. And that's kind of the opposite is true when you're getting into worse shape. You can't really tell if like things are going poorly for you or if you're just getting used to your new poor conditions. And so that's kind of where I was, you know, very unhealthy. And, um, you know, probably at a greatly reduced life if I had kept, continued down that road. And that was kind of the reason why I switched keto in the first place was to kind of save my health. You said that, uh, you know, you big guy, obviously, was this anything in the uh, genetic side of things? I mean, were you brothers, sisters, parents, family? Was there a weight issue across the board or were you kind of the, the odd man out, so to speak? Well, so yes and no. So my dad's side of the family, I don't think there's there's not much a history of obesity in that side of the family. We do have, um, uh, my dad's side of the family is African-American and a lot of African-Americans are prone to having um, high blood pressure and some heart disease genetically. So my dad, he's physically fit. Um, he had a six pack until, you know, a couple of years ago, just like a ripped guy, very physically fit, but he had high blood pressure and some high cholesterol. And so the, I, ha I do have some of that genetic 
academic history on his side of the family. But my dad's side of the family, no one really struggled with being overweight. Um, I guess until recently, my aunt um, actually, who has gone keto recently, has struggled with her weight, but only you know later in life, mostly pretty fit. My mom's side of the family, I think some people have struggled with their weight. My, my mom did herself, um, so I think maybe my mo- my mother and like her sister were overweight and struggled with that. But I think um, you know it, it wasn't just necessarily a family history um, obesity. So I think it was kind of started with my mom and myself. Um, my brother struggled with his weight as well, and so does my sister to this day. Fair enough. So um, obviously, like we didn't even know each other until KetoCon. Yet, you know, he was uh, one of the KetoCon crew that he was also in the the roundtable discussion that we had. And I, I, you know, I just that was the first time we ever met. First time we ever interacted. No, no big deal. And I, it was obviously after that that I had uh, gotten to follow you on Instagram and and just seeing your transformation posts like l- quite literally blew me away because I would have if you would have just posted a picture of what you look like before, I would have never ever ever thought that that was the same person that you are now. So first off, congratulations on that because and, and for being so open about it and uh, and and sharing everything that you've been through. But uh, was there was there a certain point? where you just knew something had to change or did it, was it just kind of like things just slowly turned over for you and started getting, started getting better. And or what was it for you that, you know, when just made you want to start like this has to change now kind of thing. So I think it, it was, it was literally like one day that it happened. Cause I, um, well, I guess that's not true. So when I, when I was in college, I had started, I was already overweight. And when I was in college, um, I wasn't my, my, my heaviest, but I realized that, you know, if I wanted to be more successful in dating and just, you know, physically fit, like do some of the things my friends like to do, I needed to lose some weight. And so I was motivated to lose weight in college. And I did it just by working out really hard and, you know, maybe trying to eat less food. I didn't really track calories. It was just like, okay, I need to eat less junk food and work out more. And I lost some weight. But then um, that was not successful. And I put on weight back on and got, got heavier again. And then when I was working in California for a couple of years, again, I was like, you know what? I need to lose weight again. And that time I'm going to buckle down and, you know, track my calories, you know, on paper and actually gain weight. I, I was not successful. I just was trying to lose weight, but just got bigger and bigger. Um, so it had been in my mind before. Um, but by the time things got got their worst, one day I just went to the doctor because I needed actually to get my, I got, I moved to law school and was on the law school's insurance plan that students can get. And I, when I was in California, I already had prescriptions for statins and high blood pressure and I needed to get those renewed. So the doctor um, was like, no, you need to come in. We need to actually test it. We can't just give you a new prescription. Um, we need to make sure you need these. And so I came in and they weighed me and they had to use a special scale. And the doctor came back after I had been weighed and looked at my blood lab. She said, look, you have pre, like basically pre-diabetic, you have high cholesterol and you're overweight. That's like metabolic syndrome. And if you continue down this road, you're going to have diabetes. You're probably going to die earlier. So you need to like change course. And that was just kind of like like that's the first time a doctor ever played it out for me, you know, like you, you, you will die sooner rather than later if you don't change things. Um, and they told me to do what's called DASH, dieting around stopping hypertension, because again, I had high blood pressure and then doctor thought that was the most important thing. So try to do a diet that's designed for that which means like whole grains and vegetables and low salt. And the doctor told me to do that. And I just came home and I was like, I got to change and I'm going to try this. And so even though that diet sounded disgusting to me, someone who was eating mostly junk food, to be honest, I was going to try it. So I went to the grocery store and looked at what I could buy and tried to get healthier things and tried it for a week. And it's just like, man, I can't do this. Like I want my pizza and my chips and stuff. And then I saw like an article on CNN about a guy who lost like 200 pounds. And I was like, well, what did he do? And he talked about, uh, it wasn't really referred to as keto back then. It was called like, you know, just low carb. Um, And he talked about this low carb diet. And I was like, what's that? And I looked into it and there was this thing called low carb mega thread on this website called Something Awful, which may or may not exist anymore, but it was like a forum. And there was like a post about like the keto diet and the Atkins diet. And I'd heard Atkins before. And so I just called my mom up and I was like, didn't you do Atkins once? And she said, yeah, you know, it's a low carb diet. And so she sent me a book to read about it. And I was like, oh, this, this kind of makes sense. I'll try this. And I can eat things that I find relatively, you know, tasty, like burgers and bacon and eggs and chicken wings. And so that was where I started. And um, that was about the the fall of 2011. So, you know, almost eight years ago this fall. And, you know, that was kind of the jumping off point. And it wasn't like a straight line between now and probably when I lost the majority of my weight. But um, that was where the journey started. And it wasn't just like perfect. You know, I had periods where I went off keto and got lazy. 
and like knew that, but like was doing it intentionally. And then periods where I buckled down more. Um, so I end, ended up losing. Um, I started out of the heaviest at like 465. And I got down to 202 pounds a couple of years ago, um, which was too skinny and then bulked up um, to where I am today. And now I'm kind of doing a little cut to take some of the fat off from my bulk. Um, so I, I think the low, the maximum I lost was about 260 something pounds. Wow, that's crazy. And uh, you had mentioned the DASH diet and how uh, none of that seemed appealing to you. So, I mean, I know the answer to this question, but your approach to keto currently, uh, what does sound appealing to you and what does uh, most of your diet consist of now? Well, so, I mean, over time, it, my diet's really simplified. Like, I'm, I do like a carnivore-based approach. Um, I'm not one of those, like, strict carnivores that's like, oh, only eat beef and water and salt and thinks that plants are evil um, or any of that. But over time, like, I've always liked meat and didn't necessarily like vegetables growing up. Um, but I actually do like a lot of vegetables now from, like, learning how to cook and experiment with that. Um, but when I first started keto, it was like, oh, I got to have all their placements for the food I like. You know, it's like, you know, I want to get... Um, like low carb bread and, you know, make like, you know, pizzas and all those things. And so that's my, my first approach was doing those kind of things. But over time I learned how to cook meat really well and realized, you know what, this is kind of like enough for me. I don't need necessarily need all the replacements. And then I had discovered um, Sean Baker and some of the other influential carnivores a few years ago. And I was like, you know, I'll try this for myself and see if there's anything to it. And I actually felt better. Like I, my digestion improved. I had less bloat. Um, I got leaner. I, I, better in the gym, I slept better. And so what I learned from that is that I don't necessarily need as much vegetables as like the mainstream, um, like diet philosophy would indicate like, oh, you're going to get scurvy or you're going to like, you're not going to be able to poop or whatever if you don't have fiber. And that's simply not true. So today I kind of do mostly, I, I call it like hyper carnivore. I didn't invent that phrase, but I think that's the most accurate. That means when most of your nutrition comes from, from, from animal products. Um, so I call it like hyper carnivore or carnivore adjacent. So I just primarily um, eat meat. That sounds that like a really well term. for me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I put it, you know, I mean, when you're a lawyer, words have meaning. So I just like, I like, I like, I like, I like carnivore adjacent and that works really well for me. It's really simple and it keeps me satisfied. Yeah. And I can uh, attest to everything you were saying about digestion, gym performance, leaning out. Cause I, I mean, we pretty much, I'm not nearly as fancy as you. And for our listeners who you think that I cook some crazy impressive stuff, you have yet to see what this man's capable of. But uh, I'm the same way, mostly carnivore, but I'm not going to, as I say, I'm not going to push away a salad for the sake of claiming to be a carnivore. You know, if there's a salad in front of me and it looks good and I feel like eating it, I'm going to eat it. But, you know, I'm really not going to go too far out of my way to prepare my own, but uh, I'll, I'll definitely uh, enjoy one every now and then. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you don't have, and that's the thing, like, I, I, I really enjoy cooking and making food that's, that both looks good, at least looks good to me and tastes good. But, you know, you can, the diet doesn't necessarily need to be that complicated. I mean, some people just eat bowls of ground beef and they, or they cook steak in the air fryer and that's, that's what's important to them. I mean, not important to them, that's, that works for them. I think the most important thing when I always tell people about why I eat the way I do is because it's sustainable for me. Like, you could probably lose weight, you know, with a whole multitude of diets, but it won't matter if it's not sustainable. You know, for me, like cooking steak and eating mostly meat is, is very sustainable. Like it never gets old for me. Um, maybe every now and then I crave something different, like a different kind of meat, but it's not like, oh man, um, I can't do this. And like, I, I, like I said, like I'm not one of those carnivores who thinks that vegetables are like incredibly toxic and, and like bad. I mean, I do get a little bit more bloated if I have like broccoli or asparagus, but every now and then I want a salad. And when I'm, when I want a salad, I'll get a salad, you know, <laughs> and that's what works for me. <clears throat> Miles, I want to ask you something. Um, I was listening to a podcast um, earlier today, and the, one of the topics kind of got into body dysmorphia. And, you know, being six foot five, I mean, you kind of tower over people and whatnot. Did, did your height ever impact your perception of who you were, so to speak? I mean, not only were you, did you have a weight issue, but your height as well. I mean, was this a combination of stuff that you ever struggled with throughout puberty, entering adulthood and whatnot? Um, yeah, I think so. I think I've looking back lately, I think uh, there, there was an element of that. Um, so I've always been a, like a bigger, bigger person taking up more room. Like I was one of the tallest kids in elementary school until of course, you know, most girls get their growth spurt first. Um, I played basketball and then I was one of the tallest kids in the school and then the girls overtook me. But then by middle school, I was one of the tallest kids again. And so I fortunately, because of being such a tall kid, no one ever really was able to bully me. You know, like I wasn't a violent kid, but my dad always raised me to 
to like, you know, don't take any, any guff from anybody, you know, stand your ground, <laughs> don't start fights, but, you know, protect your brother and yourself. So I was able to go through life for the most part without ever really being like, you know, knocked around for, for my size. But I think as I got older, I think I, and I got fatter, I, I probably consciously or unconsciously tried to minimize the space I took up. You know, I would like suck my gut in. I would try to like take up less room. I didn't want to be like, like perceived as this big, like, like dumb lunk. You know, I used to, I used to hate it when someone called me big guy or referred to me as the big guy. And so I think I tried consciously like to shrink myself and not like own the fact that I was so tall. And I think I still slouch a lot to this day because I'm used to like being in, in physically intimidating. In fact, I mean, it's come up before where someone said, told me, you know, Miles, you kind of come off, you know, you're a big guy and that can be intimidating. It's a pro and a con, you know, because it's a pro when you're an attorney, but it can be a con. You can be kind of intimidating physically or, you know, and so I've always kind of in my head maybe tried to minimize that. I think mm-hmm. once you're overweight and you're used to being obese, you're mentally, you just feel like you take up so much more space. Like I think there's been studies that have been done that like when you put up like, for example, like obstacles in a room, like just as simple as some sh- chairs that are close together, someone who's formerly obese thinks they won't be able to fit through certain spaces because they're used to being a big person or they don't think they're going to fit somewhere. Or they're going to get stuck. And even though it's been years since I've been that big, I still kind of have that subconsciousness. So I'm oh, I'm not going to fit or I'm going to crush somebody if I sit on them or, you know, so I I think I, I, that's definitely played out. And then at the same time, when I lost a bunch of weight, like I think I said earlier, I got down to about 202. Like when I was losing weight, I was like, oh man, I, I got to get to Wonderland, you know, like have a, a weight that reads with a one. But then I was discounting the fact that I'm a big person and is a weight that starts the one healthy when you're six foot five and relatively like, you know, a robust person? Probably not, you know. And so you, in your head, you, you, you just don't necessarily know what, what a healthy person looks like at a certain height. And you can't really, you, you want to compare yourself to those other people and their numbers without thinking about what's best for you and your body. And so that's kind of why I wanted to, um, to bulk back up a little bit because like, you know, a lot of my friends are, you know, I think this is pretty common when you lose a bunch of weight, people are like, Oh, you're getting too skinny. And I was like, no, I'm not, I'm still fat. And I actually was getting pretty skinny and was, and then it was evident by how, how weak I was getting. And so I think I dealt with that part of body dysmorphia as well. So at one point in my life, feeling I was too big and trying to minimize that at one point, feeling to see how small I had gotten. It's funny that you talk about the uh, the space thing because um, I, I'm still have a ways to go on my journey and whatnot, but I've definitely shrunk in size. But I have a preference when I go to my gym to get a end uh, treadmill or rowing machine or whatever station kind of thing. So I feel like I'm not going to be shoulder to shoulder to people around me. At least I've got some breathing room on one side that I can scoot over a little bit. And it's not that... I'm taking up three treadmills or anything, but simply that you, it's hard to ever get out of that. I think like, Oh my gosh, I am the big guy. I have to stand. I always have to be in the back row for a photo. I always have to make sure that I accommodate for other people around. So I'm not blocking people or whatever the case may be. So it's interesting you bringing that because that touches home a little bit here. Yeah, I've had a similar experience. I mean, my whole life, people have asked me to like sit at the back of like rooms or, you know, take like to take the seat in the back because I'm going to block people. So I can definitely relate to that. So uh, Miles, having uh, lost a, a large amount of weight, getting beyond where you you wanted to and then, you know, bulking back up, uh, you've had quite the journey. You've had ups and downs. What have you found most surprising about the process, either in people's reactions to you or just your self-discovery during that time? Um, I think like one of the most, um, I think su- su- surprising things that I've discovered is just like, just getting used to like what you're capable of. I mean, I think for the, when you're, when you're overweight for so long, you don't think you can do certain things. And like, so much of this is like, is a mental thing. Um, and I think I've just discovered, discovered how much of what I, what I, what I thought I couldn't do or felt I couldn't do was all in my head. Um, and that I've been really capable of doing a lot. Like I, um, I've gotten a lot stronger through weightlifting. I've come much better at hiking. Um, and at one point in my life, I was like, oh, I can't run. I can't be the person who does these things because, you know, I'm, I'm going to be out of shape or I'm going to embarrass myself. And I think a lot of it is just, you know, proving that I can do something. I mean, when I, when I started losing weight, I, mean, I always hear people talk about how, you know, no one can do it successfully and everyone fails. You know, most people who lose weight regain weight. Um, and, I, and I would be lying if I said I still don't have that kind of fear in the back of my head. But I've proven to myself that I... I can lose weight and I have the tools to lose weight and keep it off. And so I think a lot of what I've just, but most surprising thing is just, you know, what sort of confidence I've been able to instill in myself, but it didn't come overnight. But I think that's what I'm most grateful for discovering. 
Absolutely. Uh, Resource-wise, where what, what's your go-to, or uh, another way to frame it would be, uh, if you, which you probably have regularly, um, if you had someone coming to you that's just getting started, where would you send them to get you know startup resources for keto or for weight loss in general? That, see, that, that's actually a really difficult question to answer, um, only because I think, like, I, you know, not to, to use a, like a, a phrase, but I've been in the game for a while now. Like, I consider myself to be more of a, a seasoned veteran. Um, I'll tell you one, you know, the Keto Men's uh, Club on Facebook is amazing, but I would never send somebody to Facebook. I think Facebook has, like, just like a bunch of cesspools and extreme views about a lot of different diets or whatever. And I always hear people say, oh, I heard on Facebook that keto is X, or I heard on Facebook Y, or someone on Facebook told me this. And so I think there's a lot of misinformation out there. I think um, for a long time, Reddit was a great resource for me. It, I think it still is a great resource, but you know, like like Reddit is is almost like any other form. It's made of people, and people are flawed, and so there's going to be a lot of um, you know maybe some misinformation. But I think Reddit still has a good a good FAQ and a good resource to go to, um, and that's still like one of my one of the the sites I would always send someone to. Like if if, if as long as they understand how to use Reddit, because some people are a little bit older and they may not get it, so to speak. Um, but I think as long as they if, if I thought that they could handle that format, that's where I'd send them to because there's a lot of great information out there. Um, I think nowadays, because I've gone through through social media, have met some some people and connected with them. I think there's a lot of great websites that have more information that's a little bit like filtered. So you know, obviously, I'm a big fan of of Robert Sykes Keto Savage. I'm a big fan of um, Fat for Weight Loss, Aaron Day, who's in Australia. I'm a big fan of Danny Vega, um, and I'm a big fan of Keto Gains. And all four of those people have different approaches and philosophy to keto. Very, very. But different. I don't think very, very different. But I think that they don't they don't have any bad information. That's what's most important. So I don't think anybody would go wrong turning to any of those resources. And so maybe I would... Um I would send somebody to one of those sources saying, hey, this is just one approach, the ketogenic diet. I don't think you'll get any bad information here, but it may not be the best one for you, but it'll, it'll tell you how to get started. Yeah, the, I mean, kind of take it back a notch of what you were saying earlier. I just wanted to say like, you know, me and my heaviest, I was 195 pounds, which is, you know, not a, I'll be the first to admit, I, I never got terribly huge, but I, I at grand total lost 30 pounds. And as of now, I'm back up 10. Uh, you know, the bulking and everything, but I got that wasting away comment. Mind you, like I said, I only lost 30 pounds, but I got that wasting away comment from everyone. And even to this day, people that haven't seen me in a while, like, oh, you're wasting away. And it, it gets aggravating. It's just like, I'm healthy. This is what a person's supposed to look like, or this is what a person's supposed to be like leaning towards as they get mm-hmm. healthier. And, uh, you know, and I never really had a terrible problem. Like I was uncomfortably overweight, but it, what you just said about uh, finding out what you're capable of along your journey, like that, in case you haven't noticed, like I, I tend to push myself really hard and people think I'm nuts, but it's like, I've never been healthy enough internally to really know what I was capable of. And now that I am, it's, it's just like, well, why stop here? You know, let's, let's try a little far. Like I see all the stuff you post about you hiking and I've never wanted to hike so bad in my life. You know, I'm sitting here in El Paso, there's mountains outside my hotel window and I'm dying mm-hmm. to convince the dude I'm down here working with this. I'm like, dude, let's just drive into the mountains, stop driving and start climbing. And yeah, he's not down for that, but I still got two more <laughs> days to work on him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, 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 what you just said brings two things to my mind, you know, when, you, when you're saying how people respond to you losing weight. Well, one thing, I think that um, what's normal, like we've normalized the unnormal in modern society. Like I think um, there's a phrase, obesogenetic, I think, I'm not sure who coined that. Maybe it was like Dr. Jason Fung or somebody, but we live in, in an environment that's obesogenetic. And what that means is that it's harder than ever to remain like lean and healthy. You know, we, we don't have any want in it. Well, there's... I'm not saying everybody has access to food, but few people die from starvation in this country anymore. People die from obesity, and that's because we have hyperpalatable food available whenever you want it. You know, you can get you can get delivered to your door right now. You know, I can just put on my phone and get like the like you know 10,000 calories of pizza. Someone back in the 50s didn't have that, and they didn't have you know the modern processed food. And they worked a lot more physically. So people used to be relatively trim. I'm not saying, you know, that they were smoking and, you know, other problems back then. But most people weren't overshape and obese. Now we live in an environment where that's the norm. And so, you know, there was, uh, I'm not sure if it's a Goggins quote, but it was like, he was saying like, it's easy to be, to be, to kick ass today because everybody else is so poor. You know, it's easy to dominate because everyone else is weak. And I think, I know it sounds arrogant, but that's kind of true now. Because like, if you, as a middle-aged man are, are, 
are strong and ripped, you are the not normal person anymore. And when that used to be the norm, you are the outlier, you know? And it, when you get into shape, that threatens people because it just calls in attention the fact that they're, they're not in shape. And when most people aren't in shape, then you're threatening to most people. And that's just kind of how it shakes out now. Um, but like, you know, you said that, you know, now you're, you're in shape and you're capable of doing these things. I feel the same way. You know, I've never been like this arrogant guy, but now that I can climb, you know, climb mountains, you know, so to speak, like I feel really awesome about that. And so I want to get out there and do those things and see what my body's capable of while it can. You know, I, I kind of regret not being in the shape when I was in my 20s because I'll never be in my 20s again. But now that I'm in my 30s, I want to make sure by the time I hit my 40s, I'm, I'm hitting them in stride. I think that you're doing just that. And so that's really cool. Um, to switch gears a little, uh, one of the things that I think, um, I think you've, you've had, uh, I guess somewhat insight or somewhat, uh, specific insight for would be the relationships that you've built in the keto world. You, you have a pretty decent following in, on Instagram, but you've connected with a lot of the, the folks on Instagram as well. Um, what has that that aspect of things been like and what role has um, virtual and in real life keto or just uh, uh, diet related friends uh, played in your journey? Um, well, so for a long time, I kind of did it, didn't really engage in social media. Um, I just was on Reddit. I never been like a sharing type person. Like I, I've had Facebook since before most people had Facebook because I was one of the first uh, college groups allowed to use it back when it was like kind of an elite thing. Um, and so I've been on in social media in that context, but I've never been like a big sharer. Um, and I kind of did keto on my own and didn't know anybody personally doing it um, for, for like the majority of years. And then I... I like Instagram first just for like posting photos of like travel and stuff. But then I just realized, you know, I can connect with people um, who are trying to lose weight or, or eat a certain way through it as well. And that that allowed me to like kind of find a tribe, I guess, from afar, if that makes sense. You know, it's it's I think it's important to have some support or people who are doing the same things as you so you can feel like you belong somewhere. And if your friends and family can't provide that, then, you know, if you find it online, that can be a great resource. And for me, what's social media, like social media can be, it can be a problem for a lot of people, but, you know, um, someone I really like, uh, Matt Vincent says that like, you know, it's like fire. You can burn yourself or you burn your house to the ground with it, or you can use that fire to like forge steel. And I think for me, I use social media to the latter. Like it allows me to like be inspired by people, connect with people. And then more recently share my story. Um, you know, I want to shout out to, um, you know, Mike, uh, Gourmet goes keto. He's like, you know, you need to share your story. It's like, you told me, you just said earlier, like you didn't know I lost all the weight. I think a lot of people are shocked when they find out that I lost weight. And it's because I never really talk about it. You know, there's been multiple times, um, at KetoCon or since then when someone says, wow, you lost weight. I can't even, I could never tell unless you told me that. And so I've been trying to get better at sharing my story and connecting with people because, you know, people say that I can inspire people like just like I've been inspired. And so lately I've used social media more to connect with people and, and make like real friendship, um, which has been really powerful and really rewarding for me. I think that's important. You have to have your tribe. And uh, I think that the Keto Man's Club has become that for a lot of our, our members. Um, I know that our little group that we have on Instagram, we still have the chat going uh, from KetoCon that that uh, the, the few of us that, that were there, uh, we still keep going back and forth uh, every now and again, uh, having some very good conversation. We know that we can be real there. And I, I think that that does. That's the whole iron sharpens iron thing. Um, so yeah, it's important. It's important to find that space. Like I don't want to use the phrase safe space, like you know, but a space where you know people are have a similar like uh, a similar understanding of what you're going through or or what you're working on. You know, and that's that's an important thing. Like you know, your your neighbor or your coworker or your boss may not care about you know, you know your, your your carb cravings or your gym or whatever. But so it's nice to have somewhere where you can go and talk to somebody about that who knows you know or someone who's gonna you know conversely say hey you know you're you're not being reasonable about this and check you on on your BS so to speak. Mm -hmm. Tell me about um, what this has done for your outlook for your future. Because when you were talking earlier, you know, you you had this this weight and all these other things, and you kind of it almost sounded like you'd resigned yourself to it a little bit until you heard from that doctor, and you know, time to make that change. So, wh are, what are things that are on the horizon for you that you didn't expect for yourself ten years ago, even? 
I think I think um, physically, just doing more challenging things. Like at the end of this the summer, um, I'm going to do a really challenging hike. One of the harder hikes in here in Washington State. Um, here in Washington, we have um, the Cascade Mountains and the Olympic Mountains. The Olympic Mountains are out on the peninsula. Um, of Washington State and then the Cascade Mountains kind of run just like down like not necessarily the middle of the state but kind of the middle of the state that kind of divide Washington State eastern and western Washington the North Cascades mm-hmm. have some of the best hiking in the country and one of my friends is, a, is an avid hiker and he has been training this season for a really serious hike and then you know I said I want to be involved and, and do this hike as well and um, so that's kind of like one of my, uh, my, my milestones, you know, it's a really, it's really, it's gonna be a really challenging hike, probably one of the hardest ones you can do, um, in the North Cascades. And like, if you asked me like a couple of years ago, would I be able to do that? I'd be like, no, you're, you're crazy. But like, I know that I'm capable of doing these kind of hikes now. I've proven to myself. And so in the future, I want to get better at that. I mean, someday I want to climb Mount Rainier, um, which involves serious, um, like Alpine skills, like, you know, an ice axe and all that kind of stuff. And in order to get there, I have to get, um, a few more serious hikes hikes under my belt. So like at some point I want to keep keep going and see what I'm capable of um when it comes to hiking and mountaineering. So physically that's what what I want to do. Um I I I'm past the point where I want to be like the strongest guy in the world. Like weightlifting is still important to me and I want to get stronger. Um but what I want to I want to be capable. That's like my goal and keeping keeping being capable the rest of my life um if that makes sense. Like one of my um again um influences is is Matt Vincent and like he has um one of his mottos is always party. And he's explained that that kind of means like, you know, you're always down for whatever comes up in life. Like you're capable of handling life. And that means you're capable of being able to, to let loose a little bit because you're in good shape. You know, you, you don't, you're not entitled to have a beer and pizza and Oreos every day. But when you're in good enough shape, if like your best friend comes in the town and you haven't seen in a couple of years and he's like, hey, do you want to drink a beer with me? Like you can have a beer or whatever of the equivalent, like have a milkshake with this guy because you're in good shape and you can handle that. But it also means like when your best friend comes in town and says hey let's go hiking you're going to be like yeah let's go hiking not like oh man i'm not sure i can do it but you're in good enough shape to go hiking and that's kind of where i want to be the rest of my life i don't want to be the the strongest or fastest guy but i want to be the guy who's always capable for whatever comes up that's an actually really cool philosophy because i know that there are people in the keto man's club who have written about that exact philosophy that they're now able to do things just because they're able to do those things before it was like, oh, you know, I'll do it the next time or pass it off or whatever the case may be. And now they're setting the example. They've set the bar like, you know, friends will come into town and we're going to go kayaking. Well, they're going to not only go kayaking, but then they're going to go hiking afterwards kind of thing. And they just that energy and uh, zest for life kind of thing has all come together seeing these how keto has changed them physically emotionally in so many different ways yeah exactly like my my dad he's he's getting older and so he's no he's not like a young man anymore but um like last month he's like hey do you want to go to uh, there's an island here um called Whidbey island which is north of seattle um it has kind of like a smaller there's naval base on it but there's a lot of like vacation rental properties um in rolling hills and my dad called me and he's like hey what do you think about we we rent a house for the weekend and just ride our bikes everywhere you know 400 pound pound miles would not be able to do that but but like i'm like sure let's let's do it you know and i can do it you know i'm I'm in good enough shape to do stuff like that and that's and that's like that's that was looking back like a really important like father-son experience to just be able to go ride bikes with my dad like that's what that's what i think this life can give you is if you stick to it like the the ability to do those things because that's that's you know i'm not going to remember you know some movie that i saw with my dad or some 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 like something like that but i'm always remember like us riding bikes together you know on a whim like that that those are you know that's like life that's memories that's that's what's rewarding so what what is do do you have any do you have a specific favorite moment that you've experienced that you've experienced since you've uh, reclaimed your health or um, any, anything like anything like that, that you'd be comfortable sharing? Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, I don't know. I can think of a few and I don't want to get too, too uh, crass, but so for me, like I, I would be lying if, if I, if part of being in good shape is, was motivated by vanity. So I was, I was out of shape um, for high school and college. Right. And I was able, I, I got a girlfriend um, and 
you know, I've always done, I guess, okay, regardless of my size in terms of like dating and those kind of things. But in college, I felt like, oh man, I'm like, I'm not as competitive in the dating market, so to speak. I don't, you know, not to put it into like market terms, but like, you know, when you're fat, you're, you're not, you're just not as attractive. So that shocks some people when they feel like every now and then I hear women will say, oh, I lost a bunch of weight. And now men are like, are like hitting on me. And it makes you feel so, so bad that they didn't like me when I was fat. And I'm like, well, that's how the world works. When you're, when you're, you know, the, the better shaped you in, you're just more attractive. And so I felt like there were some girls I just couldn't get when I was in, in, high, in high school or college because of my weight. And, you know, so when I got into much better shape, you know, I attracted a lot more female attention. And that really went to my head a lot, I would say, you know, if I'm, you know, just to be honest, like it was like, oh, yeah, I'm a good looking guy now. You know, people find me attractive. You know, you know, I can be like a, I consider myself to be a handsome guy. Like that was actually, you know, a, a really important moment for me just for vanity's sake. Um, and that and the conversely, it, that was important to me just professionally, because you take, you know, when you're fat, people don't think you're smart. You know, they don't think you're as intelligent or as capable. And now that I'm in shape, I can come into a meeting and say, this is my legal advice and feel like I'm being taken more seriously, you know, because I look like I'm a, co- a capable person. And it comes from like that notion that like, you know, if you're, if you do something poorly, like, why would you do anything else really well? If you can't take care of yourself, like, why can I trust you to get to be competent in other aspects of your life? So I think like just being physically looking like a physically capable person has done it's been a benefit for my like dating life, for my professional life. Um, I think outside of those things, just like being able to do, um, you know, I ran a half marathon, you know, not like a, like a time one, but just ran a half marathon once just like to prove I could do it, like train myself up to, to run 13 miles. And I've done some serious hiking. I've done, you know, bike rides for more than a hundred miles. I've been able to deadlift, you know, 500 pounds. Like those, there's physical things like that, that have really spoken to me. Um, so it's hard to pin on one thing, but just, just like having a life where I can do things that I want to do. I, I think that's, that's the big takeaway. And that's like, you know, date the people that I want to date, you know, be persuasive professionally and then be capable physically. Like those are the, 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 the rewards that I found. That's awesome. So like, yeah, I have, I have a fairly technical job. You know, I got a lot of things going on. Sometimes I'm in the middle of working, you know, painting cars and there's chemistry and temperature, humidity, air pressures, all kinds of stuff involved. And, and I like ever since going, I've been doing this for a while, like, but ever since uh, like keto and fat adaptation, like there's times where, where I'm working with a group of people and like, I know I am mentally outperforming them and like thinking through things at almost twice the speed that they're thinking through them. And I'm just working on cars. I mean, do you think, have you found that you have, it's given you kind of an advantage because your I would say your career choice is probably a little more uh, crucial than a, uh, you know, matching a color on somebody's Mazda. <laughs> yeah. And that's actually something I've noticed a little bit more recently. Like, so, well, it's hard because I've been keto for such a long time, but when a lot of people uh, go keto, they think they, they talk about like a uh, mental fog, fog clearing up, you know, having more alertness. And that, that happened to me while I was in school. And it was amazing because like I was in law school and I went from being kind of sluggish and tired to being more alert. Um, and that, I, I remember that benefit very fondly, like writing it down in a journal, just like, oh yeah, I feel more alert and, and, and just focused. And I think um, lately I've been experimenting with more of like a higher fat to protein ratio. Um, and I've noticed more, even on top of that, a little bit more mental clarity and focus. And that's really helpful for working. It allows you to, to, to um, you know, make better decisions, I think. I'm not saying it's like magic, like I've increased my IQ or something dramatic like that. But It's almost like a, but like a mental clarity. Like, like you're just, yeah, your clarity yeah, yeah, just yeah. gets turned up. Like the fog just, just disappears just a little bit more. Yeah, exactly. And that's actually something that's actually, uh, I think some people have, have, have said it can almost be a con when you go pure carnivore because like you just, you feel like more alert and then it's harder to sleep, you know, so you can get too much of that clarity, honestly. But yeah, I mean, I, I've noticed it as a benefit. It allows me just, just to be like, I, I need to be able to, to, to respond and not react. So like, well, some, something like, like someone will call me at work and be like, Miles, this happened. Oh my God. And I, I need to respond to that, not react that if that makes sense and so i feel like i'm more calm and able to like manage my emotional response to things because you don't you don't want somebody who's going to emote you want someone who's going to think and process yeah that's a, that's a very very good point and i like i recently i just came off of it because i was pretty much sick of it but i i went on a four-week cut where like my whole goal was to keep my fat below my protein for the first time and i was almost a uh, two to one where protein to fats where i was almost eating twice as much protein as fat and i mean and going to what you were saying it, not that i felt bad like i felt fine but i just didn't feel 
as good as I normally do when, when my fat is is up there. So there's yeah, that, I think I, my own little experiment. There's definitely something to that. Yeah, it's, uh, this is my first time playing around with a higher fat to protein ratio because previously it was higher protein. And like, yeah, I feel I feel I feel good with higher protein, but I feel like I think now that I've done higher fat, I definitely feel a little bit better mentally. And there's a trade off. There's not one like what you can't eat one way for all of your goals, right? How if you're going to get stronger, you're trying to cut, you're trying to focus on mental health. Yeah, there's not one diet that's going to fit all those perfectly. You're going to have to manipulate it for your goals. Absolutely. So you talked about you talked about the experimenting and uh, what did you call it carnivore adjacent? I think earlier in the podcast. Yeah, carnivore uh, adjacent. How do how how do you track your numbers? And the reason I ask this is because again, this podcast I heard earlier today they were talking about the different ways of tracking macros and such. So, what is your method that has worked for you in tracking your numbers? Um, yeah, so I, I have a long uh, history doing that. When I first started, I didn't track anything. I just was like, uh, mentally, I'm going to not eat carb. And I probably ate, you know, still ate a lot more carbs because of, of like eyeballing it or, you know, estimating. And that was, I was, I was able to go from 465 to about 300 pounds, never tracking. And then the weight loss stalled when I got to about 300 pounds. And then I was like, well, I, I guess I need to look at calories. And, you know, calories in, calories out is a big, long-running debate um, in, the, in the fitness community. Um, but I found that it applies to me um, in the sense that if I eat too much food, I'm going to get bigger. In fact, I depend on that. When, when I'm bulking, I need to eat more, eat, need to eat more calories. Um, and when I'm cutting, I need to eat less. But when I, when I hit that wall at about 300 pounds... I downloaded my fitness pal, the app, and then mm-hmm. went from that went from there. Um, recently I switched to I guess a more a more customizable app. Um, like I use Chronometer or My Macros Plus because those apps allow you to set custom targets without paying a bunch of money. Like my fitness pal costs like fifty bucks if you want to do that. Um, and those apps cost a couple bucks. But what I do now is I um, use those apps to make sure um, hitting a certain ratio of protein to fat. Um, as well as my overall calories, because I still think calories matter. But I found that when you have a certain uh, ratio, you know, that has a much better impact on your hormones, which then control how hungry you are and probably your, bo- your body's metabolic rate. So I'm, I'm a big believer in the phrase like what gets measured gets managed. And I think that it, it can be very important for you if you want, or I like to say like if you want extreme results, you need to use extreme measures. I don't mean like, you know, extreme like this is like super hardcore, but like if you really want to get dialed in and low body fat, you're going to have to like track what you're eating rather than eyeballing it. I and mean, if you just want to be like, if you're just a guy who wants to lose, you know, 30 or 40 pounds and, and, and get in decent shape, you, you may not, you may not need to track, but if you're trying to really dial it in, um, and get, get really, really lean, you're probably gonna have to pay a lot more attention to it. Um, and so I, I like to track just when, when I'm, when I'm, when I'm cutting or bulking to make sure I'm not eating too much and then make sure I'm not eating too little. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. It does. Miles, do you have any, um, best practices or like a number one tip that you oftentimes give folks uh, and we'll kind of use that to start wrapping things up um i think my number one tip is is don't be afraid um i think people let fear uh, stop them from 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 deciding or acting like you know so many people um will say like oh like i i i I don't know if I could do that, or that sounds weird to me, or I can't, or, and, and, and it's really rude to me. Like, I think those are excuses. And what I'm hearing is I'm afraid of trying that and failing, you know? Um, cause like, you know, when I look, when I've, when I'm going like hiking or something like that, and I look at like, you know, a, a long hike, you know, and I tell myself, oh, I don't know if I can do that. I'm really saying, well, I'm afraid that I'm going to get up there and I have to turn around, you know? And so what if you have to get up there and turn around? Like, so what if you, if you, if you, um, you, you want to do something and you fail, like that's how you learn. Um, you know, people are always afraid of like, of, of not being able to do something because they don't think they're gonna be able to do it perfectly. And it's like, I failed a bunch of times along my way to where I am today. Like I didn't just, you know, decide I'm going to lose 200 something pounds and do it. I, I had periods where I regained weight. I had periods where I didn't think I was going to be able to do it, but I just kept trying. And I think that my first vice is just don't be afraid of failure. Failure is how you learn. You, you, you'll learn, you learn so much more about yourself, no matter what it is from failure than success. Like, like if I go, you know, like my job, you know, I'm, I'm an attorney and so I'm supposed to win. Right. But, um, and I win more, way more often than I lose or else I probably wouldn't have a job, but I've learned far more about my abilities as an attorney when I've lost than when I win, because you don't necessarily know why you win sometimes, <laughs> but you know why you lost. <laughs> That's a very good point. Yeah, as you, even, I mean, and I think that goes across the board because, you know, I taught, um, automotive refinishing and custom painting and airbrushing at a technical college, uh, like in a previous life. And, you know, the students would always ask me, be like, Oh, like, you know, how'd you get, how'd you get so good at painting? 
And I told them, I go, I messed up a lot of cars. And then they'd sit there staring at me, waiting for a punchline. I'm like, no, there's no punchline. Like, I messed up a lot of cars. And then you got to fix them. And that's how you get good at painting because you don't get paid to fix them. You only get paid to paint them once. And, and like, they're waiting for this, you know, <laughs> deep, profound answer. I'm like, sorry, guys. It's, it's really about it, man. <laughs> <laughs> Miles, I'm curious if you have uh, run into a high school friend, college friend, somebody who knew you at your peak and then they look at you now and like, no, you're not the same dude. Have you had any, I'm just curious. I mean, cause it's such a drastic change. Has anybody just been like, you've got to be kidding me. You can't be the same guy. Uh, yeah, I've, I've had it several different ways. Um, I've had, I've had like the whole gamut of reactions where some people didn't say anything. They're just kind of like, Oh, you know, I, I mean, until like it came up like, Oh yeah, you lost a lot of weight and it's been crazy, but you know, I still want to say anything. And then I've had friends who were like, Oh man, you used to just be like huge. And now like, you're like this keto, like superstar. Um, and then I've had people who were like, you, oh, are you sure this is healthy? Like, you know, how do you poop? You know, like, I know you lost all this weight, but I'm still concerned. So I've had like every reaction you can think of. Um, there's definitely been people who, um, who like, I think I've been friends with who've been like incredibly, incredibly supportive. You know, they're just like, I'm just so glad that you've, 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 you've turned your life around and your health around. And some friends who are still kind of skeptical because they're like, they're like I can't do that, you know, because they, 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 they don't want to, to do a low carb diet. And I'm always very clear, like I'm, how I eat is not a judgment on how you eat. What, I, what works for me may not work for you. I'm not an evangelist telling you what to do. So because I don't want to be that like, you know, that, that diet Nazi who's like, oh, you got to go carnivore, you know, and just shouting from the rooftop. But I'm happy to explain what works well for me, you know, and. I, so I've had like every possible reaction you can think of. So what would you say, and you can't say steak because everybody says steak. What's your favorite yeah. keto meal? Well, um, you said I couldn't say steak, so I won't say steak. Um, but I think, you know, you know, I think one of my favorite things to make um, – that's a keto meal is eggs of some time, some, some kind. Um, I'm really fond of, uh, you know, Kerrygold butter or a good, good butter. And you can't really go wrong with eggs. Um, I think I eat, eat them hard boiled. I eat them, you know, the instant pot, I eat them scrambled, um, um, eat them, eat them fried. It's just, just so hard to like, if, if someone asked you like, what's one food you'd have the rest of your life, it'd probably be eggs. They're just like, so, so fundamental. Yeah. Eggs are awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't yeah. argue that at all. I eat a lot of eggs. It's just like, there's, there's so much you can do with them. They're so simple. You can cook them fast. Like people tell you they don't have time for breakfast. I'm like, I, I literally yeah. scramble eggs yeah. in under four minutes. I've timed it. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's just, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a staple. It's kind of, it's not the sexiest thing, but it's, it's a staple of my diet. I think after eggs, I'm a big fan of, of sardines, which I think a lot of people don't like, but I, I love sardines. <laughs> Yeah, I tried those angle and back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're not for everybody. Not for everybody, that's for sure. Well, I think um, unless you guys have any additional questions, I think that's all the grilling we've got from Miles. <laughs> it's been great to get to mm-hmm. dig into your story and uh, get to uh, get to hear some pearls of wisdom that you have uh, learned along the way. So thank you for sharing. Um, we have some shout outs of the week, though. Um, so, Jim, do you want to go first? Sure. Um, so a couple of nights back, um, playing around on Facebook um, and, you know, kind of what Miles was saying earlier about how you use social media as a tool and whatnot. And um, Facebook has its craziness. And, uh, nobody will deny that. But they've offered um, to groups a new feature that as you let members in, you can periodically post a welcome new members. And we had about 40 some that had joined in the last week, 10 days, something like that. So I tried this feature, clicked on it. It tagged all of our new members in there uh, added a quick little graphic I did and a few words and whatnot and um, asked them to introduce themselves. And the thread really took off very, very quickly. Uh, some were guys who had fallen off the keto bandwagon, had been in the group prior and had rejoined because there's something new coming up in their life and wanted to get restarted. Others were brand new to the group and had been on this journey for a while. Some of uh, are are brand new to it, but they've dialed in. They've already seen success in you know, just a couple of weeks time. Um, so just a general shout out to the new members of the Keto Man's Club. We usually get about 
a hundred or so a month, which I think is a pretty nice gain. I mean, that just shows, you know, the interest and everything. Um, but the immediate camaraderie, immediate connections, uh, people sharing, you know, some of the struggles that they have and somebody chiming in and like, I've done that, I've had that and here's what I did and away it goes. That's phenomenal. So, um, that's my shout out for the week is to the, the new feature from Facebook, welcoming all the new members. Absolutely. Another new feature that's really cool, um, that we're just testing out, seeing, seeing if it works well for us. And if nothing else, I think it's going to be a a great great tool for connecting people. I think they've got it programmatic uh, to where they, they are trying to make it so that you, uh, uh, so that you use a certain formula to, to, to become a mentor or a mentee, but is uh, kind of a, uh, a platform for you to say, Hey, I'm looking for some help in this area and be able to connect with those that can give it. And so uh, quite a few guys have, have mm-hmm. jumped in there and uh, kind of said, Hey, I'm, I'm willing to be a resource for X, Y, and Z. And I think that's really cool. Um, so we'll see how that goes as we move forward, but I think it's a good thing regardless to have, uh, resources and Facebook sounds like they're trying to help with that. Uh, Alberto, how about you? What's your shout out? Uh, member, uh, Zach W who's been posting some pretty crazy body weight exercise stuff that he's been doing. He also wears Vibrams when he works out. So I'm a big fan of that. And uh, just, man, the guy's uh, doing some crazy stuff in the gym, and I got to respect that. So I just wanted to give him a, a little bit of spotlight. Yeah. Uh, what was it that you you took a screenshot of him doing handstands uh, uh, or uh, push-ups uh, vertically against the wall? Is that right? Yeah. And then uh, kind of walking him down to, to almost a, a push-up and then walking it back to you know, you know, upside-down push-up. <laughs> yeah. That, that's crazy. Well, my shout-out goes to um, – it goes to Kevin D. He posted his story a few days ago about uh, he and his son and uh, basically his his why. And apparently there's something something akin to a pinky swear in Japanese culture uh, that friends will do. And his son kind of called him out and said, why can't you lose weight? And he's like, it hurt, but it's not because the words were or the words that it was that it was the truth. Um, and so he and his son made this uh, pinky promise with each other uh, that he was going to lose weight. And so he, he says, the promise has been made and I'm a man of my word. Day one, 375 pounds. That's his why and he's going to get there i I have no doubt he's going to get where he needs to be in his health he's going to to get there because his why that's a really big why um and i think that's when when i hear and see uh people making a transformation and i think we have to renew these things for ourselves every now and again myself uh, very much included uh we don't lose a bunch of weight because we just kind of wanted to, we lose a bunch of weight because we get to the point where we say, okay, enough's enough. I have a reason why I'm going to get there. And and every single one of our guests, uh, miles included had their, why they got to the point where they wanted, uh, at least in, in miles case, he, he, he wanted to be able to do whatever, whenever, whether that was climb a mountain or go have a drink. He, he wants to be able to do it. And, uh, if you're, Fat, sick, and nearly dead, to borrow a term from a totally not keto movie uh, or documentary, uh, it's really uh, it's really hard to do that. So uh, our whys are important. Well, any other business to take care of, gents? I just got one last question for our guest here. Uh, who was the star of the show at Lollapalooza? For me, it was Tame Impala. Um, that's one of my favorite bands um, for a long time. They're a psych rock band from from Australia, and they had a phenomenal show. They only there's only one song that I wanted them to play that they didn't. Um, but you can't have every, you can't have every song, right? But it was just it was a great show, and I, I got in really close. Um, and and like had to I, I sat through a band before them just so I could be very near the front. So I loved it. Nice, very cool. 
Okay. Well, um, let's go ahead and go through uh, our, our social information. Miles, uh, we kind of mentioned it earlier, but where can people find you online, uh, connect with you? What's the best place? Uh, you are in the Keto Man's Club, so that that's one of the ways that people can get in contact with you is through the group. Uh, but how else might uh, people be able to connect with you? I'm I'm active on on Instagram. My handle is Telecron um, with two N's. Okay, very good. We'll have that in the show notes for people to use to connect with you. And uh, so uh, for all three, myself, uh, Jim, and Alberto, you can find us in the Keto Man's Club Facebook group, of course. Uh, we're in there probably way too often and way too much. Uh, you can also connect with myself uh, at Deckman Keto on uh, Facebook and Instagram. And I've been trying to post a little bit more there uh, about keto things here and there. So uh, that's where you can find me. Uh, Alberto, how about you? Uh, first and most important would be the Keto Cholo at the Keto Cholo on Instagram. That's where I just started doing more of my fitness and uh, keto stuff. And then if you're interested in random car painting shenanigans, that would be at capital underscore painter. Okay. And Jim, how about you? Um, I am all in one. My name is, uh, on Instagram is Jim Inman Jr. Uh, so you can find me there. But, um, as Chris mentioned a moment ago, the keto man's club on Facebook is probably the best place. Uh, just come and join us and, uh, we'll, we'll guide you as best we can. Very good. You can connect with our, uh, with our Instagram, uh, for the podcast at Keto Man's Club Podcast. And uh, again, you can use our website to get to the Facebook group at theketomansclub.com. And if you have a comment, question, uh, an inquiry regarding maybe wanting to be on the show, uh, any of that type of stuff, you can email that to us, ketomansclubpodcast at gmail.com. So uh, you've got a couple different ways to connect with us. All of that is in the show notes. So feel free to use that to connect with us um any um final words gentlemen okay no, sir. well with okay I'm sounds good. good miles once again thank you for coming and sharing your story with us it was a pleasure that's it for this week until next week make sure to eat meat lift heavy sleep and repeat we'll see you next week Thank you for joining us for the Keto Man's Club podcast. Your support means the world to us. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Would you help us spread the word about the Keto Man's Club by sharing with your friends and family? We're available on all podcast platforms, so just search for Keto Man's Club and you'll find us. If you would like to connect with us, you can do so a number of ways. Our web address leads to our Facebook group, theketomansclub.com. That's T-H-E-K-E-T-O. M-A-N-S-C-L-U-B dot com. You can also follow us on Instagram at Keto Man's Club Podcast. Lastly, if you have any comments or questions, feel free to reach out via email to Keto Man's Club Podcast at gmail.com. Thank you again for joining us today, and we look forward to hanging out with you again next week.